I am joined on the phone today all the way from the other coast, from California, uh, the veggie queen, Jill Nussenau. Hello, Jill. Hi, Howard. Thank you for having me chat with you today. It is a pleasure. You know, one, one, one of the perks of this is uh, when I interview people, I get to, uh, to look at their books. And I'm really, really, really enjoying your latest book. We can talk about that, The New Fast Food, uh, about pressure cooking. Um, but we can also, you know, talk, talk about lots of other stuff. You and I have met a couple times at different conferences, and we've had, you know, I, I think great, interesting conversations. We, uh, we both have strong opinions about stuff, so I thought we could, uh, we could hash some of that out, uh, publicly today. So, for, first question is, um, how did you make your way to a plant-based uh, way of eating and, and lifestyle. Did you grow up with this, or did something happen along the way? Oh, lots of things happened along the way, of course, because that's what happens with life. But um, I was a teenager who absolutely despised meat, could not stand it. And I had a friend who said he was going to become a vegetarian. And I didn't really know what that was, but I liked the whole idea. So I became a vegetarian. Um, when I was a teenager, and uh, for, for reasons much different than most people. And then as I kept doing it over the years, uh, it kind of evolved and morphed and changed. And then uh, a little over 11, or about 11 and a half years ago, I started teaching for John McDougall, Dr. McDougall. And um, I adopted it even more then, even though I have been teaching plant-based cooking for more than 25 years. Um, so it's just kind of been an evolution. I always was into the more whole foods rather than the processed foods, and um, I still am. Mm-hmm. So, so as a teenager, it started with uh, with a kind of an aversion. Um, to, was it was it to like you know eggs and dairy as well, or just uh, flesh? Uh, basically, the flesh. That really did it for me, uh, or undid it for me. I just couldn't even stand it. I didn't really spend that much time thinking about eggs or dairy. I never drank milk um, growing up. My mother didn't like milk, and she'd never made us drink it, so I never drank it. Um, eggs, you know, I ate eggs. It's interesting. Uh, when I was pregnant, I wasn't vegan and didn't follow all plant-based. I mean, I did, but... I did eat dairy and I did eat eggs and I joke now that I ate more eggs when I was pregnant than I did prior to being pregnant and since. <laughs> and it's been more than 20 years. So I don't know what that was about. I am not a big egg lover. Um, and so for me to do all plant-based is incredibly easy because the thing that I love most, which most people know, is I love vegetables. Mm-hmm. So were you a, a a problem child in your household with uh, with your tur- turning your nose up to meat or was it cool? Uh you know my my mother I was a teenager so she was like you know if you don't want what we have which was basically the meat part but I would eat everything else she'd say just go make yourself something. And so it really wasn't I don't think it was a big issue. Um they didn't make it an issue and and I think the thing is you know I am um, my grandmother, my late grandmother, used to say to my mother, "Why don't you feed her? Why is she so thin?" You know, <laughs> and my mother would say, "She'd eat. She'll eat when she's hungry, and she does eat." So she never really pushed the food on me. Um, so it really wasn't a big deal. I just did have to eat different things than the rest of my family. 
mm. who I thought it was very disgusting they were eating that, but whatever. Huh. And, and, <laughs> and it was it was simply a, a like a taste aversion, or did you have in mind that these were, you know, cuddly animals? Uh, I don't think I got the animal thing, really. Um, I think it was it was not only the taste, it was the whole look of it. I mean, I think internally, um, and, you know, I think it was internally, I, like, saw it, and it was, like, bloody, and I just couldn't, like, get my head around that. And it took me a long time to get that visual of, like, ugh, that is so disgusting. Um, and I didn't like the way it tasted either. I mean, there wasn't anything I liked about it. And so I just was like, nope, not going to do it. Gotcha. I think um, I was pretty, it was pretty different at that time. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of support for vegetarians. Uh huh. So this was just some sort of like weird aversion to, to, to some class of food as far as people were concerned. I don't think so. I don't even think they really talked about it or mentioned it or anything. I mean, I don't think they thought much about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my family and my friends, you know, really didn't care. But, you know, I was the one who I remember one time in particular going to uh, an event and I brought my own uh, peanut uh, almond butter and banana sandwich on, you know, whole grain bread so I'd have something to eat. And it was most delicious. Um, I think it was just a, a, a life choice. Uh-huh. And I think people just accepted it. So so at that point, would you have considered yourself a foodie? Like, were you really into cooking and flavors and tastes, just not the meat part? Or were you kind of indifferent to, you know, to the whole experience? Was it just not that important? Um, no, I did like food. I mean, I, I think I've always liked food, um, especially really fresh food. I mean, I have memories of... Um, you know, and I write about this in, in my other book. I have memories of shelling peas with my for my mother, and like I don't even know if I have returned any peas to her other than the shells, um, because I just loved them, and I had this uh, fondness for red peppers when I was four, and so um, she bought a red pepper plant and planted it, and it was supposed to be sweet, but it was hot, and it made me really sick. But I still loved them and still ate them and still eat them. But I do not eat green peppers. So I've always had like a an interest, uh, you know, like a, um, you know, people say their kids are picky, and I say no, they're particular. So I think I might have been a little more particular than most, but really knowing what I liked and what I didn't like um, in terms of food. So I wouldn't say I was, you know, I lear- did learn to cook when I was a, an older teenager um, because I and I had a car accident and I ended up at home um, in my parents' house and they both worked, so I did some of the cooking and I think that's where I really started with the cooking. Um, I was 18 or 19. Mm-hmm. Did, did you know at that point that cooking was going to be part of your career? <laughs> Absolutely not. I uh, actually have a degree in business. Um, I have a, de- uh, a business degree in marketing, and um, I kind of I was interested in food, and I actually wanted to go into food marketing. And the reason I did not is because uh, there wasn't anywhere warm that I could go to school, and I really wanted to be somewhere warm. Um, <laughs> So I've been kind of guided by my other choices, my life choices. And so I really, oh, and my father was an attorney, and he wanted me to go to law school. 
And so I actually studied, I took the LSAT, I got into a number of law schools, none of which were my top choice, and decided that I really, in my heart, did not want to go, and that I really did want to study nutrition. And so um, I got into graduate school for nutrition, and they had no idea what to do with me because I hadn't taken not one science class, and you need a lot of that to get into nutrition. And so I was like the oddest thing they'd ever seen. Um, but I managed to get my um, master's in nutrition in three years um, with a lot of hard work. Um, and it, it's, I think in some ways it's been a great, um, it's been wonderful for me because I'm math and science oriented as well as being able to read and write, um, which I consider important. But it was, that part was fairly easy for me. Um, and I think it's it's a good blend because there's, for me, I get to be creative and so on. And when I went to college, um, when I went to graduate school, or well, even undergraduate, I did cook. And I think that really helped me, and it was a way to just keep me a little more balanced. Mm. And I think that's the reason that I cook is because it's my centering point. You know, when things start to fall apart, it is the one thing that I can do that will really get me in touch with a lot of things. Uh huh. Yeah, and the uh, you know the fact that you love vegetables—it's almost like you're you're communing with with something, you know, that has a lot of uh, sort of peaceful and generative energy in it. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I always give thanks for Mother Earth because. Without that and the farmers that grow the food, uh, I can't do my job. And so, um, I mean, I think plants, um, I've had plant epiphanies um, where I'm like, wow. I mean, all you have to do is plant a seed and see it grow, and it turns into an entire plant that, like, you know, let's say gives you 25 pounds of tomatoes. To me, that is remarkable. Mm-hmm. I, want, I was just curious whether you, you ever watched like TV shows where the chefs are under tremendous pressure, you know, <laughs> Iron Chef or Hell's Kitchen or things like that, because it seems like it's the exact opposite of you in the kitchen. Um, I have seen those things, and you know, it's interesting. Um, I think when you place those kind of you know boundaries and rules on people, it gets a little tense. But I mean, I. W- <laughs> It's funny, when I do cooking demonstrations, sometimes I have that thing going on. You know, I've got three pots on, and I've got to figure out what's what. But it doesn't really, I I find it almost meditative in a way. And because I've been doing it a very long time, it doesn't really phase me. Or if it does, nobody knows but me. Hmm. Um, So I, I think those kind of shows, you know, make it really dramatic. And for me, cooking is not dramatic. Cooking is, it's life. I mean, you know, it's the it's it's all about nurturing, and um, I see cooking as one of the best ways to really take care of yourself. Mm. And nur- when you say nurturing, that's a very egoless verb compared to you know the way you know celebrity chefs or or, or wannabes are portrayed. And you know, it's all about did they you know did they like it? Did they approve of me? As opposed to did I did I nurture them? Right. I, you know, I, I mean, I obviously cook and teach people to cook for very different reasons. And the funny thing is I teach at a, at a culinary school, and we joke about how you can't really learn to cook from watching TV chefs, which is generally true. And it's, not, it's about entertainment um, more than anything. And people love drama. 
So that's what that's all about. For me, it's really about if I can teach someone how to cook something that they can eat that's going to help them change their life, that's what it is for me. Um, it is a very different thing. And even when I have, I have not cooked professionally in kitchens by choice, but I have helped lead kitchens in various ways for short periods of time. And when I'm in there, it's really about calm and focus and getting people the best food that I can in the conditions that there are. So it's not about me. It's about the food. Um, and it's about really nurturing the people who are eating the food so they can feel great. So let's let's talk about math and science for a second, because when you said that, I didn't know that about you. But then as soon as I thought about it, I said, yes, I did, because of the the way you talk about the process of cooking from from, you know, being in your demos where you you have given me so many like rules of thumb to jot down and then put in my notes, like, you know, covered with a half with a half cup of this for a cup of beans and, you know, when you pre soaked. And how, how do you uh, balance the sort of calm, centered, intuitive approach with with all the numbers, the rules of thumb, and the and the discoveries you've made that that streamline the cooking process and give you the same you know, great results every time? I, you know, I'm not sure how I balance that. It's a lot of trial and error. Um, and still, even though I do give people those things, and I also teach culinary math, which I know is extremely hard for a lot of people, my students especially, um, I want people to have good results. And even with all of the things, like, you know, if you use a half a cup of water per one cup dry-soaked beans, which people, is a very hard concept to get across, um, even live in person. Um, but the thing about it is even with that, You'll get a batch of beans that will be different. And this is the part that's very challenging is you can give a rule of thumb and then you'll have a batch of beans that takes twice as long um, to cook or needs, you know, half as much, again, water. But the math part, I think, is very difficult for most people. And um, I try to simplify what I do so that people can grasp these concepts. Um, I, it's sometimes challenging because I understand math and it's hard for me to step back and try to say, what would it be like if I didn't? But it's interesting because somebody posed something to me. I can't remember the exact situation. I think they were talking about like technical details of a house and I stood there with like my mouth hanging open thinking, I don't know what they're talking about. And then I thought, oh, this is what my, what people feel like when they don't understand the math part. So even in my book, I have a little chart about cooking rice because I use um, an algorithm for cooking grains, not just rice, um, where you subtract the amount of water for the second cup because the grain can't exponentially increase the amount of water. So let's say you're using one and a half cups water for the first cup of rice. For the second cup of rice, you only use one and a quarter cups. So I did a little chart so people could see what that really meant rather than having to try and add it up. And I think still many people will go, oh, I just used one and a half. Let me just double it. No one for the third one. I'll double that again. But um, I am not a perfectionist, but I do like things to turn out the best possible way they can. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I did write down, you know, those little math tips. Like I was scribbling them down like they were, you know, from Mount Sinai. Like, oh, because, <laughs> <Thank> because, <you. laughs> 
you know, because I've had so many experiences, you know, like every time I open the pressure cooker for rice, it's like, you know, what's the surprise going to be today? <laughs> like, is, is there going to be like, a, you know, a, a quarter inch of, of, uh, of, of opaque water on top? Or is it going to be like crunchy bits and, and only the bottom three inches cooked? You know, so to, to get to get your sort of scientific mind of saying, you know what, let's just keep doing this until we figure out what's really going on. I found that very helpful and very empowering, and I am kind of a math guy, but I bet there's a, there's a lot of people out there who, you know, I mean, most most sort of plant-based chefs tend to be very uh, right brain and pinch of this, you know, feel it out. So I think for those of us who who want more structure, uh, the way the way your mind works is a is a very useful guide for us. Well, thank you. I think one of the things with pressure cooking especially, because you cannot, uh, you know, I always say, I've never been in that pot. I don't really know what happens in there. <laughs> it's best to start with the very best recipe you can so that you can have the best results. Because unlike on the stovetop, if I'm cooking beans and I see they need more water, I can add more water. But in the pressure cooker, it really has to be almost, you know, it has to be the best it can be at the beginning so that you end up with the best result. Right. I also really dislike uh, my grains swimming in water, which is why I'm kind of a little bit, um, this will be the most anal I'll be is about cooking grains because mm-hmm. that's not a part of what I do. <laughs> so so let's talk about um, pressure cooker. What, what, what made you want to write a pressure cooker cookbook? Uh, I think the fact that I had been teaching pressure cooking for so long that it just seemed like the perfect thing for me to write. Um, I've been teaching pressure cooking about 18 years and uh, started af- right after I got my first pressure cooker. And I had probably really needed a pressure cooker a number of years, probably 10 years before that, um, because I was eating so many beans and I just didn't have the patience to um, to cook them and spend the time cooking them. So... Um, it just seemed right, and it seemed like people were finally starting to catch on and understand. I could see this from my classes, that people were starting to get it, and especially people who are eating plant-based. If you're eating whole grains and you're eating beans, you need time to cook, and the fact that you could cook food in half or less time, especially with the beans, just is so amazing to me. And so I felt really compelled to write this book, for two reasons. One, I think people will eat way better. And the second reason is because of the environment, because, uh, you know, you save so much energy, literal energy when you're using the pressure cooker, that it can really help turn things around instead of using more energy. All right. Now, a lot, a lot of people are terrified of pressure cookers. Um, you know, and, and it wasn't helped by the, the Boston bombers, right? No, <laughs> not really. Um, but are, are, are pressure, are modern pressure cookers safe? Modern pressure cookers are incredibly safe. Um, it's interesting. You cannot, you pretty much can't do anything to make them blow up, um, unless you're a bomber, which I am not. Um, the thing that's really interesting is I, I just did a, a cooking demo in Kansas and there were at least a couple hundred people there and so I usually ask the question who's afraid of the pressure cooker and I got no oh, I don't know 
probably at least a quarter of the hands. And I always joke, if I had a dollar for every person who said they were afraid, I could collect all those dollars and probably never work again. Um, but And it's an irrational fear, but it is somewhat rational because the older pressure cookers really could have problems, but these new ones are so safe that I had a friend who accidentally left hers on the stove and left the house, um, and nothing bad happened. It, her pot was very burned, but you you know, if you can hear, and this you know, cooking is not just about. There's a lot to it. It's hearing is part of it, and visual is part of it, and smelling and tasting. But if you can hear your pressure cooker really loud, the modern pressure cooker, you have the heat on too high. Um, so it has some cues to let you know that what you're doing may not be the right thing. And as hard as you might try. To open your pressure cooker, that's your modern pressure cooker that's under pressure, you cannot. So there's very little that can go wrong um, with the modern pressure cooker. Hmm. So what was the, what was your introduction to the pressure cooker? Was it, was it this just this idea of I can do beans without having to uh, you know to plan ahead for two days? Uh, well, that was part, I mean, my desire was to do that. And then, um, Lorna Sass is my pressure cooking mentor. She's, she was the first person to write a book on modern pressure cooking. Um, and she, I was taking a writing class and someone she knew was, I think, helping her edit the book. So I found out about it before it came out. Um, and that really sparked my interest in pressure cooking. And so I saw her demonstrate the pressure cooker uh, here in Santa Rosa where I live, and I was like, I must have one of those. And um, it just from there, I just kept going and, you know, have acquired a number of pressure cookers. And it was just, you know, I, I think the real thing is, you know, some people say, oh, I love my slow cooker. And if you can think about what you want to eat yesterday or even this morning, more power to you. If you are me and you have a really busy life and you don't really cook that way, I mean, I kind of cook by like, wow, the tomatoes are ripe today, and no, I have two eggplants here, you know. Oh, I think I'll make uh, eggplant and tomato sauce with some chickpeas. You know, if you're like more like me, the pressure cooker is perfect because it can be 5 o'clock and you can have a complete dinner on the table at 6.15 having just cooked it, and that's like a long period of time. Um, so it's for people who, you know, tend not to maybe think in advance but want to eat really good fresh food. That's really the whole thing for me. Right. And there's something, you know, I've, uh, I used to pressure cook and then I had, a, a one of the, the WMFs that, uh, yep. you know, some, something, something broke and I discovered that replacing this little piece on the lid was like 170 bucks. And so I kind of stopped for a while and then I saw, uh, Chef AJ. Do her her instant pot demo, and that you know I know you're you you prefer stovetop to uh, electric, um, but I really liked the uh, the set it and forget it. And well, you know it's interesting because I I do a lot of stuff with people with their electric pressure cookers, and I have one. Well, I have two actually, maybe three. Um, <laughs> I don't use it that often because it's. I, I equate it to like driving a car. If you learned how to drive on an automatic, 
you are very used to that. If you learned how to drive on a stick shift, you have no problem with that. So it's all just a matter of what you can do. And for me, actually, it's a matter of the fact that I don't have room on my countertop for the electric pressure cooker to live there. Um, And if I did, I probably would use it more because I could be cooking my rice in there, which doesn't require a whole lot, and do my vegetable curry on my stovetop cooker. And so the interesting thing is the recipes in my book, even though they're written for the stovetop cooker, almost all seem to work with the electric cooker. Um, which I which I find fascinating, and I and I'm still trying to uh, wrap my brain around why. Although I believe it's because the electric pressure cooker cooks at a lower pound per square inch, and it takes longer to get to pressure and longer for the pressure to drop. And with those adjustments that the cooker does, the recipes seem to turn out. Mm. Except for the, and I do always say this, except for the quick cooking vegetables, which in the stovetop cooker, you can get away with a very, very small amount of liquid, but in the electric pressure cooker, you need a little bit more um, in order to, you know, and that's the whole thing about pressure cooking. It works on the basis of liquid in the cooker, pushing up the little valve, boiling, causing steam, pushing up the valve, and getting up to pressure. And so the liquid part in the pressure cooker is one of the most important parts. Right. And I've got to say, you know, in my own experience of pressure cooking, so now I've owned two, the WMF and the Instant Pot, and they all come with little booklets of of sort of recipes and guidelines, and I found both of them to be complete fiction. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. In fact, I um, one of the pressure cooker companies, I was going to work with them on redoing th- their manual. And the other one, the Instant Pot, actually, I did contribute a couple of recipes to their downloadable PDF recipe booklet. But they got a lot of the other information from someone else who does pressure cooking, and I consider it inaccurate. Um, but the, the manuals that come with the pressure cookers are, I believe, written by people who have never even seen or touched a pressure cooker. Um, they they don't really teach you what you need to know, and it's interesting because before I did my book, I did a video called Pressure Cooking, A Fresh Look, Delicious Dishes in Minutes, and I did that because I have a chapter in my first book on pressure cooking, but people still weren't getting it, so I thought, well, maybe if I, uh, you know, maybe if I do a video, they'll be able to see it, and within like two days of the video coming out, somebody sent me a message and said, I just want you to know I've had two pressure cooking cookbooks, but seeing your video made it all clear to me. And I think the whole thing is you have to kind of, you have to see it. You also have to realize with the pressure cooker that you may not get perfect results at the beginning. It's a learning curve. Mm. Yeah, and, and you know what I what I love about your book, and you know also I have uh, Lorna Sass's vegetarian pressure cooking book that I've had for a while, is that you know that you've you've done a lot of the trial and error for me. That's my job. Put me in the kitchen with a pressure cooker, and I'm pretty happy. <laughs> so, so the other experience I've had of pressure cooking, and I have to say that you know. My, when I, I do a lot of the cooking for my family, and my first job is to make it healthy, my second job is to make it tasty, and my third job is not to make a big mess because I hate cleaning up. 
and and and, and sometimes the the orders switch because we have a small kitchen and we got stuff. You know, the sink is always dirty and the dishwasher always needs to be emptied. So I when you know with with the the new pressure cooker, I'm always thinking about how can I do this whole meal in one pressure cooker so because it's easy the 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 insert comes out i can wash it and i don't have to like saute things and steam things and boil things and i guess you know the stove stays immaculate and i've been thinking a lot about one pot meals about you know kind of everything coming together and it's it's reminds me you know, my wife is south african and we spent a year there and the the big one of the big meals that 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 they they have there is called poiki which means little pot and it's actually sort of a a big cast iron pot with three legs over a fire and you'd put everything in it you know this is from like the when they're they're trekking and they you know firewood was scarce and they'd put you know it, it would almost always be a meat of some kind but it would also have a vegetable layer a grain layer a legume layer and there's something there's something very romantic for me about the idea of putting it all in one pot and and having all the different types of flavors and types of foods in that one pot. I'm wondering if if that has an appeal for you as well. Oh well, I I think if you look at my book, you'll see I have a lot of stews in there with beans in them, and I do love that. The only thing is I do like to usually cook my grains separately, but um, that is, uh, you know, you mentioned sautéing, and one of the things that I do love about the pressure cooker, whether it's the Instant Pot or the stovetop, you can do like a dry sauté in there before you get your other ingredients in. And the three things you mentioned are interesting because for me, number one is the taste and flavor, and number two is the health, which goes along along with it, and number three is efficiency, of course. But um, I think the main thing for me about the pressure cooker and probably why I fell in love with it is not only is it fast, but the flavor that you can get out of a pressure cooker is amazing. And I have actually cooked um, the same soup on the stovetop and done it in the pressure cooker, and it is much, much more flavorful in the pressure cooker than on the stovetop. And the reason is because you don't have air when you cook, and so the flavors get infused into the food. Um, the other thing is that when you're cooking vegetables, especially because I just visited someone who um, had a pressure cooker on her stove and said she's never used it for vegetables, and she's a huge vegetable garden. I was so surprised. And I said... Uh, I tried to explain to her what happens is the um, heat of the and the liquid actually breaks the cell wall of the vegetable and infuses flavor into the vegetable itself, which you cannot do any other way, really, that I know of. Maybe cooking sous vide, which is not something I... I don't have a sous vide machine, but um, it actually increases the flavor in the food. I mean, I have one simple recipe in my book called Big Time Broccoli, T-H-Y-M-E. And what happens is you cook the broccoli with sprigs of thyme and you add a uh, stock. And I actually make my stock in the pressure cooker. It takes only five minutes at pressure. And I use that. And the broccoli comes out tasting like something very different than when it went in. Ooh, so so I'm gonna, I'm going to cop to the fact that I almost never do vegetables in the pressure cooker because because <laughs> it's cause, okay because <laughs> I grew I grew up in the in the era of mushy vegetables. I don't like mushy vegetables. That's why my broccoli only cooks for one to two minutes at pressure, and then I quick release the pressure. 
Um, but I made beets. I just bought beets yesterday that I'm going to make for a McDougal class tomorrow. And um, I made beet salad last week, and that's one of my favorite things in the pressure cooker. And it's really interesting because I've made this recipe so many times, and you slice the beets, and you cook them with some orange juice and orange zest and and I think a little water, or I use vinegar at some point, um, and it takes three minutes at pressure. And it's turned out just right almost every time. It took me seven minutes this time to cook the beets, but they were delicious. And they're sliced and they're easy and, um, you know, things like that it's perfect for. People love it for artichokes. Um, I make a really quick... Uh, uh, I don't know what it's called anymore, but it's potatoes, tofu, and vegetables. And the potatoes take three minutes at pressure. Uh, so it's just really fast, and the food is delicious. Mm. So, uh, I mean, the thing that got me to get the pressure cooker was this, you know, again, Chef AJ's demo, where it really wasn't cooking. It was like literally like opening bags, <laughs> dumping them in, adding a little bit of water, Turning the thing on and then going on to something else, and meanwhile, like we're smelling the, you know, the the the, the steam comes out for a few seconds before the valve closes, and that's like wafting yep. around the room, and it was like this is the simplest, lowest skill level type of cooking I could imagine. And, you know, it absolutely is, and it's really interesting. And I'm not, you know, I, I, don't, I don't equate it, but a, a lot of men love the pressure cooker. And I have done cooking demos at like and places where there's lots of engineers, and then they want to come up and touch my the lid of the cooker and see what it does. And um, I think it's great for beginning cooks, people who really love to cook, anybody who eats could use a pressure cooker. In fact, people who don't have stoves but have electricity can use an electric pressure cooker. Like if you were, uh, you know, uh, had food insecurity but you lived in a motel, you just plug that thing into the wall and you could have food every day, um, really good food. It also, it also is a huge money-saving device, I found, just, just because of the things, you know, I don't need to get – um, prepared foods. I don't need to get cans. Yep. I, I think that's the whole thing for me is when I cook beans, I cook a lot of beans and then I stick them in the freezer so I have them later. Um, when I perfect my pressure canning, which is a whole different machine, I will probably cook the beans and then can them myself and put them in jars. Um, but I'm not there yet. Um, but the thing is, yeah, it elim- I had a student who bought a pressure cooker and told me that within six months she'd paid for the pressure cooker just by not buying organic canned beans. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty amazing. Yep, and we took. I, I did a couple of book signings in uh, Richmond, Virginia, Virginia, and you know, took my my family came up and they were going to spend the day while I was uh, you know talking about whole and. We were looking like we're going to be driving up on, you know, route, route 85 and route 95 where, you know, the best we were going to get would be like a subway. And so right. we just, we decided, to, you know, was, my kids thought it was weird, but we packed the pressure cooker. I packed a bag of, of lentils and, you know, whatever vegetables in the fridge. And we had dinner that night in our hotel room. Oh. You know, yeah. And, and I mean, we you looking. are not the only one. A lot of people do travel with their instant pot and or other electric pressure cooker. And I think it's a great idea. 
In fact, you're you're making me think of something. I'm going away with uh, another plant-based person, and I'm now thinking, wow, we should bring the electric pressure cooker. We can make our own dinner. <laughs> yeah, you know, as long as, long as uh, the the grid holds up. Well, that's a whole different story. That's why one of the reasons that the stovetop pressure cooker is wonderful. My sister um, was without power, and she said, but I could still cook because I have gas and I have my my pressure cooker. Um, I use propane, uh, not propane, I use butane stoves when I do my cooking demonstrations. So even if I do have no power, I can also cook with my, electric, with my uh, stovetop cooker. Um, so there's, you know, there's benefits of each, and I think for many people, having both is incredible, because with the stovetop cooker, you have tons of control. With the electric cooker, you just put your food in, and you have food. So um, they're just a, a different way of looking at it, but I certainly encourage pressure cooking for everybody, not cooking under pressure, but using a pressure cooker to actually help alleviate the stress of cooking in your life. Yeah, it really, you know, and I love having two hours to make a meal. But realistically, that happens maybe once every two weeks. You know, I'll, Oh, I was going to say once a year for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not, it's not my profession, so, you know, I can, you know, but, you know, we'll have a party or I'll, I'll, I'll find a recipe and I say, I really want to explore this. But basically, the pressure cooker has become the go-to for, I would say, 95% of our meals and it saves so much time in prep, in cleanup. Um, it saved money. The, the new ones are so quiet, even you know quieter than the uh, the WMF that whenever I let it go too long would start shrieking. Yeah. You know, there's uh, it. It really is. If 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 your excuse for you know eating out a lot or not cooking healthy food is I don't have the skill or the time. The pressure cooker is the answer for both of those. I completely agree. And, and you know, really my goal is to see people have happier, healthier lives, and I think the pressure cooker is a tool to get people there. Awesome. So, Jill, if people want to uh, find out more about you, find out more about pressure cooking, where do they go? Well, they can go to my website, theveggiequeen.com. There must be the, T-H-E. Um, they can go, they can see my YouTube videos, which is under YouTube slash the VQ. Um, what else? I'm also on Facebook. I have my name and I have the Veggie Queen. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I have a Pinterest account. Um, so that's those, probably those... enough places to find me. And, uh, you know, my husband says, you don't really answer all those emails that people send you. And I said, yes, I do. So people can send me an email through my website and I will answer. Um, so I really just, you know, oh, and additionally, I mentioned I have a DVD that shows people how to use the stovetop pressure cooker. So um, there's lots of options and ways to find me, and there are resources online for pressure cooking, and, you know, I'm not the only one, and I just encourage everyone to get, the, get one for themselves and for the people they love. Awesome. Well, Jill Nussenau, thank you so much for taking the time to, to share your, your passion for pressure cooking and your expertise and a little bit of your life story with us today. Thank you for having me, Howard. Be well.